0: Welcome to episode 14 of MADE, the podcast about purpose-driven design, making, and manufacturing. Today, we're going to be talking about solar panels in today's society. Let's continue the conversation. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to MADE. With me, as always, are my co-host, Ray Peña. How are you doing? Claudia Berrigan. Hello. And I am Jose Velcarco. How's everyone doing today? Pretty good, you guys? Yeah, pretty well. Doing well, yeah. good. Anything exciting? Uh, no, I mean, just some... We did some repair work over the weekend at Claudia's mom's house. Yeah, I did though. Got our hands dirty doing some drywalling.
1: Yeah, and she's really excited. She keeps calling us and telling us, like, thanking us how, like, wonderful yeah. it looks. And she's really enjoying her bathroom.
2: Yeah.
1: So something very simple, like, brought a lot of joy to her. <laughs> so
2: well, That's good, yeah. It's pretty cool. I mean, um, there's
0: something, something interesting that shows you, you know, somebody her age, she's in her 70s and doesn't know how to maintain a house necessarily, you know. And this is a new place. She's only 10 years old, but there's already a lot of stuff that needs to be fixed, you know. And it's never been maintained, really.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, that's what I like to say when people say, oh, I just bought a house. And, you know, they say, oh, it's the American dream. The reality is owning a house is the American nightmare (laughs) because there's always something to do. And, you know, not only are you paying for uh, the mortgage and all that, but you also have to pay for every repair and every breakdown and everything, everything else that happens. Mm -hmm. Every upgrade. Yeah. Every upgrade. The American nightmare is how I like to say it.
0: (laughs) And speaking of upgrades... That's a good transition. You guys aren't even catching where I'm going with it. We're talking about solar panels, right? Yeah. Well, yeah there you go. Upgrade <laughs> yeah, so yeah.
1: That's the best one. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> I'm making a great transition is going right past you guys. Yeah, yeah. Specifically
1: about ownership and all this other. You know, <laughs> this is great. That's a really good thing. Yeah.
0: But uh, yeah, so I think today, because we're going to be talking about solar panels, and I think we're going to go long in that discussion. We're going to skip past news. And uh, maybe what we do is we'll have an episode where it's just some of the news stories. We, because that's two weeks in a row. I think we've skipped news. Or maybe not. I don't remember now what we did last week.
2: Last week yeah. was um, the make, you know, what makes a maker.
0: Right. Which yeah. uh, which we didn't do any news that week, right?
2: I, honestly, I don't
0: remember. <laughs> yeah. I don't think we did. Well, yeah. So maybe one of these episodes we'll do just some of the news stories that we haven't covered over the last couple of episodes. Yeah. Maybe mm-hmm. we just yep.
1: do all news and mm-hmm. it'll be interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So... Let's continue with my great transition about uh, home upgrades, <laughs> and let's talk about solar panels.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to jump right to our main topic.
1: Where the sunlight shines.
0: <laughs> yes. All right, well, let's talk about our main topic now. And uh, this week, our main topic uh, revolves around solar panels. Um, so we've all done some work about, on solar panels, um, myself, why don't we talk a little briefly about that, what each of us has done regarding solar panels, I've mostly worked on them when it comes to residential architecture and applying into residential architecture, what about you guys?
2: Um, yeah, I've worked with solar panels, uh, mainly designing them for lead buildings, uh, designing them into a project, and then of course having them Designed back out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know, that's the number one thing they want to remove because of the expense. But uh, but I've always, when I, whenever I designed a building, I always wanted to push for some kind of renewable energy mm-hmm. source. Um, but still, uh, I only had uh, two lead projects, and none of them uh, made it to have des- uh, solar panels at the end.
0: Okay. What about you, Claudia?
1: Uh, so lately I've been working on... Um, policy and specifically to the implementation of community solar programs which is really interesting because there are a bunch of um solar industry companies now that have popped up uh, that are doing this community solar programs and they're not necessarily hiring architects like you guys that you know would install like would actually do the 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 drawings and everything it just goes straight into installation
0: mm-hmm. and these are private companies
1: these are private companies right.
0: all right well so we'll touch on all of this actually as we move through the conversation but i think i mean to start i guess we should begin with sort of some of the technology behind solar panels um now i didn't realize this until i looked it up for this uh project but you know the solar voltaic um, effect actually was invented in 1839 so you know that's well, how, many, how many years are we talking about? If we do quick math here, that's almost two hundred years, right? What yeah. was the year again? Eighteen thirty
1: nine. Eighteen thirty nine. Yeah, one yeah, sure.
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. hundred and yeah, yeah, one hundred and seventy years. Yeah,
0: so that's really when it when you know the idea of harnessing the energy from the sun was was first conceived, right? So you know you move through it. There's been obviously a lot of other steps along the way to the point where we're at now, and I, I think, I believe that the reason solar panels have become more, have become more prominent now is the cost of solar panels has gone down,
2: right? Yeah, and I think that there's a, a huge offset. Not only has the cost of production for the solar panels come down, uh, there's an improvement in efficiency, which means you get more energy out of it, and the overall cost of alternative uh, energy sources has increased. So it's made the solar panels much more attractive uh, energy source, regardless of whether it's renewable or not. I think that the impetus for it uh, really doesn't doesn't lie on whether it's renewable, but simply, you know, a dollars and cents issue. When, when uh, fossil fuel sources go up and uh, solar panels come down, it only makes sense to look at that as an alternative.
0: Right yeah i agree
1: i also think that um and while this is i don't think this is necessarily one of the impetus for it being so prominent now is that um a little bit of the shaming factor came into play because you know renewable energies are are such a hot trend right now and it's the good thing to do if you're a good environmentalist if you're a good person you are going to be Favorable to renewable energy, so therefore you first thing you would want to do is have solar panels. So it's just you know makes you a good a good person versus a non such versus not a good person if
2: you're still into. So you think aerospace? there's a there's a little bit of social pressure. Yes.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, but I think that goes along with all environmental issues have become a better known and more of a concern for the public in general, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I mean,
1: mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's not, it's not a bad thing. Yeah. But you have to consider that. that that's mm-hmm. also part of... Mm-hmm.
2: Well, yeah, and what's, it's interesting that uh, uh, when you say a public issue because people are very, feel very strongly about different sources of renewable energy where they might be uh, forgiving on solar panels in, in my area. They are very vocal against... Uh, wind power, and hmm. yeah. it's kind of weird, and and uh, it's very confusing because why would you be so opposed to it when it's a mile offshore, and you won't even see it, right. yet you can have solar panels on the house next door and everybody's okay with it, mm-hmm. and here, uh, not too far from where I live, and I think I showed it to you guys last time you were here, uh, there's an entire uh, uh, solar farm, mm-hmm. there's a whole huge area. I'm not even sure how many acres it is, uh, that is nothing but solar panels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and
0: I will say, I guess, the difference between that, the wind power and the solar panels, is that I think a lot of people see wind power as being much more disruptive to sort of the ecosystem around it than solar panels. Solar panels go in your house, you've already built a house, you're not necessarily disrupting, you know, whether it could be marine life or whatever else, building these wind turbines, these massive wind turbines,
2: you know. Um. Yeah, so there's a factor uh, involving scale and possibly even ownership when it's on your house you feel like it's yours when it's out you know a a mile offshore there's a a factor there where you don't own it you know you you are more uh, you can be more vocal about its opposition Mm
0: -hmm. well and I think that's something we're going to touch touch on as we get further in is that yeah I think for a large part of people that put solar panels on their houses they're theirs um, nobody owns well, okay companies own the large wind turbines right those Correct. are like i That's to me no different than me having to pay pepco who's the electric company here in dc mhm um, big utility right it's a big utility again um mm-hmm. so that's interesting yeah. in that sense uh, i mean I, I guess another big part of this is they have become much more attractive as well right absolutely um, they've definitely become smaller i remember they used to be quite thick actually they become mm-hmm. much thinner, to the point where I think one of the things you brought up Ray, is they they even become transparent.
2: Yeah, it's quite fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that uh, that link, which I'm sure you'll be in the in the show notes, mm-hmm. uh, was uh, it's two years old. Uh, the mm-hmm. technology for the transparent solar panel uh, has been around for a couple of years. It has not yet made it to a a commercial production stage yet, mm-hmm. but uh, it's quite fascinating. And we probably should talk about some of the technology that's involved before we even discuss the transparent uh, panels, because the transparent uh, one, uh, solar panels are f- quite fascinating in that the panel itself isn't really creating energy. So, so <laughs> we probably want to take a little step back before we cover that because it is, it is so interesting, uh, the technology they're using, that it could very easily evolve into something much more efficient and productive.
0: Yeah. no I mean I, I agree with with that I think uh, well let, let's talk a little bit about the technology behind it I guess um so you know dating back to the 1800s you were looking at solar panels that were 11 percent efficient right um, and then as it moves into the 1900s you see 20 percent efficiency into the 30s by then by the 1990s um, so they've become much more efficient at generating power right to the point where a lot of people that put the solar panels on their houses are actually now fitting into the grid not just even maintaining their own power right the other part of the technology that's coming or that has been announced is the ability of storing this power right for a long time you haven't been able to do that and that's been part of the issue um tesla now is getting into the batteries the the home batteries to store this power so I think all of that feeds into the, the prominence of solar becoming a much more mainstream.
2: Yeah, and you know, what's interesting is uh, that you mentioned is the storage and the storage medium, which is kind of like the Achilles heel of, of solar electric production. Mm-hmm. Um, it's nice while the sun is shining and you can make plenty of power, but it may not be when you need to use it. Right. And the idea of a solar-powered flashlight comes to mind. Mm-hmm. You know, it's great. You can, make, uh, you can make light as long as the sun's shining, especially when you don't need it. Right. So that has been the the real crux is finding a, a suitable, efficient, and environmentally friendly medium into which you could store mm-hmm. the energy that you're producing to use it later. And, of course, that's one of the attractive Qualities of fossil fuels is that you can use it at any time. It didn't really matter. Uh, And uh, so the production is one thing and the storage is another. And it is still an issue because, you know, your traditional batteries are lead acid batteries, Mm -hmm. uh, or of course, more recently, uh, the lithium ion battery, which is a much better way of storing energy. Uh, But it is when you consider both of those. Uh, methods, uh, the mining of the raw materials and, of course, the disposal at the end of the useful life are issues that are difficult to deal with environmentally.
0: Right. No, I, I agree with that, but I, I mean, I do think the batteries are getting there. You know, the up until the announcement of Elon Musk, well, Musk made for the Tesla power wall, um, up until mm-hmm. that point, the only way I had heard of storing some of the solar power or even wind power was... Basically, a physical way of doing it, right? They would put pressure into a chamber. They would pressurize a chamber with the power, so that once the power, once the cells were no longer producing power, this chamber would begin to depressurize, and it would basically generate that electricity again. You were sort of physically storing air or compressing air or pushing a piston. So then you would pull the piston back once it would, once the power was still being generated, it would generate that power again. Right, that was the way of storing it. These batteries now are, want, are getting better and have this ability of storing the power at your own house. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think the other thing that came out of that announcement for me, and I know a lot of these power walls are starting to be installed. They started to ship out. Um, but what I saw in that announcement from Elon Musk that really hit home for me is just how small an area is needed to sort of power the entire United States. You know, he had a graphic where he showed just the, the very small area that needed to be, to needed to be solar powers. Really? Just, if it was just all compressed into one area, and it wasn't even as big as a state, because mm-hmm. of how efficient solar solar cells have become. Yes. Um. So, yeah. so, now when you start spreading it throughout, it's even easier to do. You know. Um, yeah. So that's how that's how far the technology is getting. Um, I mean, what else do you guys have to say about the technology as far as as far as this goes?
1: Well, as far as, and I'd like to hear more about it from you guys, but what I hear from from the field and how this, you know, specifically, again, community solar is being implemented at um, again for affordable housing um, units or apartments or low-income housing uh, communities is that the my, my biggest question was like well you know some of these roofs are not necessarily fit or are not, are not well maintained or are not structurally sound in some of the some you know whether they're public housing or they are even a, a, a specific owner a homeowner who you know hasn't had uh the the means to be able to maintain their home so if their roof is not well maintained you know how can it um can it uh, hold the weight of of the solar panel, you probably have to do some um, restructuring of the of the roof, or you have to do some pre maintenance to the roof before installing. And the f- answer is no, we don't, because we're we are not attaching it to the roof. We're attaching it to the um, to the party walls.
0: Right, you're talking about townhomes.
1: Um, and, no, and even single family homes. That are, you know, like, uh, whether they're, they're either they're row homes or some are like, you know, single family homes. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the, the technology, as I understand it, is that you don't necessarily need um, a, a structurally sound roof. And, and that's actually been been at least three or four of the of of the installing companies that I've heard from that. That's not an issue. That's a non-issue.
2: Now, that's interesting because, you know, traditionally speaking, when you think of solar cells, you, you always want it to have the best possible orientation. Mm-hmm. And that's typically always been on the roof. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, mounting it anywhere other than the roof means that you may not have the best orientation for, you know, the optimum condition. Mm-hmm. Not, ne- not meaning that you can't yeah and and
1: i mean still on the roof i i when i meant when i when i didn't mean on the actual wall what i meant is on the roof
0: but she means they're spanning they're they're spanning a piece of a piece of steel or a structure between the two party walls right Uh, and then they're putting the panels on that structure they're spanning in between so they're not actually physically attaching to the roof itself they're attaching to the 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 party walls the the dividing walls between homes or but they're still occupying
2: that plane right
0: they're okay. still occupying the plane of the of the roof. They're just basically floating above the roof. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and in
1: fact, one of the things that I hear is that it's actually helpful because it covers it. You know, it prevents uh, water seeping through some of those uh, un unmaintained roofs because it's basically covering
0: them. So I mean, I think there's there's a different there's a couple of things that. The, the right So there's the roof membrane itself, right? The roof membrane that keeps water from getting in, right? There is the roof sheathing, which is the material the membrane fits, sits on top of. And then there's actual roof structure, whether it's trusses or mm-hmm. beams or whatnot. Um, I think the issues that most people have with the roofs have to do with the membrane no longer being able to keep the water out, which mm-hmm. then makes the sheathing itself rotted, rot as well, but not necessarily with the integrity of the structure, mm-hmm. right? The structure mm-hmm. usually can hold, um, yeah. and it is, takes
2: years to damage the
0: structure. Right. It would take a long time and you would notice the leaks on your ceilings and stuff long time before you would ever damage the structure itself of the roof. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what a lot of these solar pan, panel companies want to do is they want to avoid the having to deal with the roof, fixing the roof membrane itself. That's why they'd rather not attach to the roof structure so that they, you, don't, you don't have to replace the roof. And at that point, if you ever need to replace the roof, you don't have to take out the solar panel, right? You could technically replace the roof below the solar panels on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the other part of it is people do put the solar panels... On the vertical walls um one of the projects that i've been working on recently that was part of the plan they become less efficient they drop their efficiency will drop to like 80 percent or whatever mm-hmm. as long as it's still facing the right way you know you're still mm-hmm. sort of yes. south facing yeah. walls yeah that's a given right but but the panels have become efficient enough that it's still worth it for some people
2: uh-huh. you know you you lose some of that east and west exposure right by being on the wall but you're still getting something and something may be better than nothing exactly mm-hmm. Um,
0: whereas before you would never dream of putting them on the vertical wall because they just no, weren't enough. No, of course not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, That's interesting. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Weatherization is an is an interesting yeah. concept for me too. Like as far as what you're mentioning with the roof, right? Because that with the roof membrane
2: itself. Right. I'm kind of curious if that is, uh, you know, what drove that that decision. I mean, I think it's a good decision. Uh, for a lot of reasons, but I'm wondering if liability over the the weatherproofing um, layer on the roof and anything following it was really the driving factor. I think it's probably the best choice because then you don't have to be worried about it. But uh, you know, traditionally, uh, and you, I'm sure you've seen it, the solar panels were attached directly to the roof sheathing penetrating that water that weatherproof layer mm-hmm.
0: well and i think so. most of them still are that way especially single-family homes yeah. in resi- in, especially here in the district when it comes to um, row homes they rather even with air conditioners they rather not put it directly on the structure itself because then mm-hmm. you don't have to it, it's a harder installation right you have to then find where that structure is yes whereas if you just Show up with a pieces, a few pieces of steel that go from wall to wall. You put that up, you attach them, and then you put your stuff on top of it. You don't. It, it's a much simpler installation. Everything that you need, you bring in with you, and you're done. Yeah.
2: And in particular, those when you mention row homes, the spans usually are not that great. Right. You know, twelve feet or so, mm-hmm. and it's directly onto masonry, so it, it makes a whole lot of, yeah. a whole lot of sense. Right.
1: It's it's one of those It's one of it's one of those examples of. Um, all of the ingredients are there that are perfectly set Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, most of the programs that are in community solar do not involve like a large percentage. I would say probably more than 75% of solar community solar programs do not involve ownership. So Mm -hmm. the, the own, the, the homeowner does not own those solar panels. Mm -hmm. So it is definitely not to the, um, Installer and in the company, the third par- party installer, it's not in their best interest to really put <laughs> the, 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 the solar panel on right. their roof. To attach well, it makes it, sense. Yeah, to it create makes sense that attachment.
2: It, it clearly delineates the ownership of the panel. It's your house, yeah. and clearly this is not touching it, so you do not own it.
1: You do not own it,
2: exactly. Yeah.
0: So, well, and we'll, we're going to get to that here in a second. Um, continue talking a little bit about the technology i think ray you have some more stuff to talk about the technology
2: yes so yeah you know with normal um uh solar panels uh, whether they're the traditional rigid ones or the the flexible ones that have now made it uh, into the commercial market and uh, quite inexpensive if you're uh, looking for solar panels they've got some flexible ones you can adhere to surfaces mm-hmm. uh, they all are opaque and the the way they work is that the uh, the photons strike the surface, and there are some layers in there that are uh, that are photoelectric, and they create electrons from the photons that are striking the surface. The transparent one, wa- the transparent solar panels, are quite interesting, and that is that they allow light to go through the panel. Mm-hmm. So when you look at it right there, you're thinking, well, that is the exact opposite of what regular solar panels do, and. Uh, and that's what makes it interesting because now you can still take advantage of the visible light spectrum and use these panels the w- way you would normally use regular glass. Mm-hmm. And the way they work is they actually uh, harness the the uh, near infrared light spectrum and ultraviolet light spectrum, and they actually cause that glass medium, which is a type of a, a type of polymer, it's a plastic, with uh, certain salts in it to make it to make it have these characteristics. And it causes the the transparent layer to actually glow. But since it's outside of our uh, visible light spectrum, we can't see that. Hmm. So it is. It's very fascinating. And it glows, and that glowing light is channeled to the edges of that panel. And along those edges is where they are, guess what? Regular photovoltaic hmm. uh, panels, which are... Uh, opaque, you can't see through them, but they're getting that light funneled to them to the edge. So, uh, really, it's the same solar electric panel, it's just miniaturized and at the edge of the panel instead of in the middle of the panel. Interesting. That's yeah, now interesting. They, it is very interesting. And because you're not harnessing the visible light spectrum, they are a bit less efficient. In fact, they're considerably less efficient. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't really matter so much because you're getting two for the price of one. I mean, you're getting more use out of it, uh, whether it's a skylight, whether it's a window. And uh, I'd like to reiterate that this is not yet commercially available. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's still in the research and development phase. But I love the huge potential right. that this can bring not only to design, but also the, the way uh, you know, we all use something that we use every day, our glass. Uh, panels, whether it's in your car or your house or on your roof, mm-hmm. in commercial buildings especially. When you think of, uh, you know, when you think of New York City and how much glass is in those buildings, those are all opportunities.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, but I think, in what you were saying, I think we've also sort of hit as to why it hasn't come to be a commercial product yet, is that it's because it's less efficient. Its main use is going to be on our roof, and how many. Your skylights that you actually have on your roof at this point mm-hmm. yep you know it's a small area it's there's usually smaller it's it's going to be more expensive than a regular skylight at this point yes absolutely probably substantially more expensive and that, that's probably what's sort of holding it back still
2: yeah but you know those things come with time and development We're, I think we will see it in our lifetime yeah definitely it's, it's in its infancy right now
0: exactly and, and if we've seen we just said you know the solar panel has no, just the Ideas and technology behind the solar panel has been around almost 170 years You know, this is a couple of years old. It's gonna take a few more years for it to reach the the full potential. Absolutely. Yeah Yeah. Well, Cool very cool. Um, I think the other thing to as we transition to some of the stuff that I know Claudia wants to talk about a lot is I think another reason why the solar panels have become as prominent as they have been is the um tax credits that now come with solar panels, right, it's not, it's not just a, you know, I buy a more efficient dishwasher, great, it uses, just like, uses less electricity, but nobody's giving me a tax credit for having a more efficient dishwasher, although there are some tax credits for more efficient appliances, but let's, for the sake of argument, let's just say <laughs> nobody is. That is a long right. conversation. Right. Um you know in mo in a lot of different jurisdictions, when you put solar panels in your home, there are tax breaks that come with that that sort of pay for some of the cost of solar panels. right that's what's helping bring the cost down mm-hmm. and I think that, that sort of helps this transition into some of the the topics that you want to talk about
2: Claudia when it comes to solar panels and their installation well I yeah. think you've you've had a good point about the incentivization right you've incentivized people to uh consider this opportunity mm mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, And it's not just uh, the individual, it's also the collective is being incentivized. And I think it's interesting because it started off with individual and it continues to be with individual homeowner. And what's interesting in in our household is that I, I hear from Jose because he works with... Um, you know, a lot of his clients are single-family uh, single owners. Okay. And, um, you know, and they're taking advantage of these, uh, of these tax incentives. And they're doing it because, again, you know, because of the incentives, because they're redoing their homes, because they're investing in their homes. They're going to stay in their homes for a long time. Um, and also because of the aesthetics of it, even, mm-hmm. at times, right? Um, because they're, it's, an, it's a personal investment. Uh, on the other hand, the collective... Is an interesting aspect because it's the incentives to um, to these organizations, whether it's a nonprofit or a co-op or a direct solar industry uh, installer, are huge. Mm-hmm. So um, it's now become more of a well, you know, how do we take advantage of these incentives um, in the name of renewable energy, which is really good. Um, but at the same time, how do we do it in a way that it's profitable? Mm. Uh, and what I'm seeing on the ground on that is that it's, and, and again, I go back to our household, is that you know, I, I'm, we're stepping away so much from the clientele that Jose works with into a a mass um mass profit driven market of solar community solar that is completely going against the ownership and the stewardship of renewable energy mm-hmm. in a way. And I I mean that's fairly harsh for me to say cuz it's not technically going against it but the main benefit out of out of this for a low-income home is a lower utility bill and that's it they're really not receiving anything else out of it they're not owning the panel they're not understanding the whole process that we just explained they're not even uh, participating in job um, in job creation there there's just really there are no benefits other than just a lower bill and you know whether that's a good thing yes it is It's a good thing, but I think that there's so much more that can be done, especially with the technology that's obviously with this transparent glass, uh, transparent solar panels. It's proof that the technology is improving at a high rate, Mm -hmm. and so many people are being left out.
0: Well, and and I I agree 100%. and And I think the key part of it there is that there's a taking advantage of not just the technology, but some of the incentives that are out there. Right, cause that I, and again, let's be specific and clear. A lot of the people that are coming to the, my place of employment to have their house redone and, and that want to put solar panels don't necessarily need the incentives that are out there, right? They have the money to do this project. They're redoing their entire house. And they're like, oh, by the way, let's put the solar panels. A lot of the times, and I'm not going to name specific people or anything, are they're using these incentives to do additional work to their house, right? Um, I'll name, I'll say some an example of this, and I'm not saying this is happening now or has happened in the past.
2: But <laughs> you're also not not saying it. But I'm also not not saying <laughs> it.
0: An example of this is, uh, you know, the idea was we are going to replace the roof on this house and put solar panels, and we're going to let the company that installs the solar panels replace the roof because if it's all part of this, that contract, then the cost of the roof goes towards the amount of money you spend on solar panels. Therefore you're getting tax breaks on the money you spend to do the roof.
2: Yeah. That's the sneaky way around. Right. That
0: is a way of sort of sneaking something in. And then when this expands to, we're going to put solar panels on the, on the one wall, well, then we're going to make the siding part of the contract of that company as well. So now the siding also gets a tax break that or otherwise it wouldn't get.
2: Because now you have one invoice that has all that in it, and Maybe you can that. tell Uncle Sam, this is how much I spent. This is how much I spent to put solar panels in my house. Yeah. Right?
1: Meanwhile, in the community solar program, if you actually look at DC... The tax breaks are not being taken uh, advantage of because those tax breaks are for all solar programs and mm-hmm. most of the low-income community housing that's available, they're not taking advantage. Basically, the since they're leasing they mm-hmm. these um, third-party installers are leasing their solar panels, mm-hmm. the main benefit to them is the RECs. Mm-hmm. It's just the it's it's basically the energy renewal, the the renewable energy credits that mm-hmm. they're receiving from the utility mm-hmm. and they're receiving this money on a, on a month, you know, on a, technically on a, on a, throughout the year and mm-hmm. also at the end of the year. And they're not getting any tax breaks from it because they don't need to.
0: Right. So let's be specific about it. So this is, tell me how you're seeing it, right? Let's say I'm a person that is of low income. I own this townhouse or I may rent this townhouse either way, right, that I'm living in and i decided i would love to have solar panels because my electric bill is too high i approached this company what does this company tell me is going to happen how is this going to work out
1: uh just the biggest thing is they'll check if your credit is okay mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily your credit it's mainly you know just we'll look at you know the ownership of the house if you own it, or or if you don't own it, the specific owner of they approve it, mm-hmm. and they'll lease, they'll give you the the a lease a lease program.
0: Okay, so we're gonna put the solar panels in my house. What do I pay? I don't I pay for Zero. the solar panels. I don't pay anything. Zero. Okay, but those are not mine.
1: They're not yours at all.
0: And I get a lower power bill.
1: You get it. That's the only thing you will get. The basically, and you and you don't all you do is you sign, mm-hmm. and they tell you the only thing you have to worry about is Making sure you're—you don't even have to be here for when they come in to mm-hmm. install it. Just look out for your next bill, mm-hmm. and you will see a reduced bill.
2: And then the tax credits go to
1: the third party.
2: Yeah, but honestly, it's—it's it's kind of interesting because that's how you know a free market economy works. Uh, the more risk you have, the greater your reward should be. If they're not paying for anything to happen. Uh, but they are getting the reward of a lower, of a, of a lower utility bill. That's really not a bad deal when, when you think of whoever is actually paying for the panels and the installation and the permits and everything else that goes along. Um, you know, I, I, I think I personally think that's a fair deal. And I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: Well, it's interesting because you know who ends up paying for the, all of that because you know. These are nonprofit organizations as well that do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Where are they getting the money to do all of this installing? They're not putting the money up front right. themselves. They're getting that money from taxpayers who are actually paying charge more by the utility companies because the utilities companies are being penalized for not providing more renewable energy. Mm-hmm. That's the whole process. That's, that's the whole RPS process. That's the reason why solar has gone up. It's a policy issue and that's been resolved. So at the end of the day, the ones that are subsidizing these programs are taxpayers. And the taxpayers are giving these third-party contractors the money so that they can put it in their profit. And ultimately, the only benefit for that particular low-income community or owner is a reduced energy bill and i'll tell you this much there's been so much research done that low income users use less energy than high income users anyways in the first place so when you look at their energy bill is already lower so in an average than an average, average than your average user so in reality you're you're really not even making that much the the net metering which means, you know, like what, how much money, is, how much uh, energy is b- being generated overflow of the solar energy that's being produced, it's actually going into, into the utility companies and it's going to somewhere else because there's a lot more net metering produced at low income families. Yeah. So ultimately, it's coming, it's coming out of our pockets.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I think from the very beginning, when somebody tells me something is free, I'm suspicious, uh, right? Because why are you giving <laughs> it free? You know, it, it reminds me, and I've brought this up a few times when I talk to people. I, there's this image that I found once. It's a cartoon from a newspaper where it's like the the lemonade stand. You know, the lemonade stand usually charges twenty five cents. You know, yes. little girls. And there's this two cup this couple holding a lemonade, and one the one guy's telling the, the woman, and the lemonade says and the lemonade stand says free, and she says, and he's telling her, yeah, the lemonade's free, but they sell your information uh-huh right So yep, there's yep. always like like why would a company that whose main purpose is to make a profit right that's the free market economy we live in why would they put anything free in somebody's house
2: well you know i think i think claudia hit on it i think she uh described that the issue is actually a policy issue as you know there have been m- several policies in place to demand a lot of utility companies to Produce a greater amount of their total energy as renewable energy so the policy itself has driven them to find a way to do it and and they did it that's the funny thing they found the way and, and in the process even if uh, as you know uh, the installation and the panels themselves are not cheap I mean there's cost so they do have a, a payback period. So let's say it takes five years for those, that panel, those panels in the installation to pay itself off. The good news is they're getting that credit for creating renewable energy. And then in the long run, they will be making a profit. But when you look at it you know, on a year over year over year, if they keep installing these things, it's, I'm not sure it's 100% about money, but to satisfy this policy requirement of renewable energy. So, I think that the issue is quite complicated mm-hmm. um, probably more difficult for us to figure out you know in an hour. Um, but I think that there it's a lot of things to think about, and hopefully there are people who are thinking about it a little bit uh, more thoroughly who have that power to influence that policy
1: yeah, and that's the they're key not. that they're not mm-hmm. and and I think that technology like I really appreciate you bringing up the the transparent um solar cells because i think that technology is going to solve this 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 conundrum here because at the end of the day it's a it's a fast technology and it's it's not going to fit this policy this unfair unequal unjust process
0: but it's not a fast technology right we just said it, this got developed almost 200 yeah. years ago <laughs> it's really not More a fast than. technology and the technology hasn't solved it so far Right, I think it is a policy issue, and I think part of what you're going through is trying to, to make sure the policy watches out for certain people.
1: Yeah, and it's it's so difficult. It's right. it's a it's a it's a uphill battle because it's such a good thing. You know, mm-hmm. it's like it's almost saying like, yeah, th- that cereal they're eating is so good for mm-hmm. you, but at the same time, it's just not well. Right, made. but <laughs> I mean,
0: I think to me, the way I compare this, right, because right at the bat when you when. Claudia first told you this whole policy, right? You first thought it was, it's not like you would deal with me, right? But now let's replace solar panels with your front door, right? Mm-hmm. If I came yes. to you and I said, I'm going to replace your front door for you. You don't own it. It's my door. You can use it all you want. Not a problem. Keep using it. But I'm, I've leased it to you. So that means at some point I could tell you, you know, you're no longer allowed to use your front door. <laughs> right? There
2: is that possibility, yeah. Because it's my front door, it's not your front door. Or I can say, you know what, uh, I'm not going to lease this to you anymore. I'm just going to take my door with me. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I don't think anybody, anybody would accept that, would accept like, no, you can't own my front door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even if you let me use it, it's my front door. So.
2: Well, you know, that, that brings a, uh, you just triggered an idea in my head. You know, the, the sunlight that falls on your house, mm-hmm. that's your sunlight. <laughs> that is your sunlight, yeah. Is <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. yeah, well, it's falling on your house. It's falling yeah. on your property. It's your sunlight, and and uh, you've entered into a contract when you say, yeah, you can put solar panels on my house for somebody else to use your sunlight. Mm-hmm. And I think that is an opportunity. In the same way that you own your house, but you don't own mineral rights under your ground, mm-hmm. and you don't own the air rights. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 You don't own anything above your house. You don't own anything below your house. You mm-hmm. only own the house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I wonder who owns the sunlight. And, right. and if the government, uh, the same way they control the water that falls on, on, on the land, you can't collect water on your land without permission from the government mm-hmm. because you technically do not own the rainwater. I'm wondering if we are going to see in our lifetime uh, legislation over the ownership of sunlight.
1: Well, That's what we're seeing right now, right? That's basically what, what these... Right now it's vague and gray. Is. Yeah. What, right. yeah what this is basically is moving into that and it's yeah that's exactly
2: kind of weird when you when you really think about it yeah uh it's kind of <laughs> kind of mm. crazy yeah
1: wow.
2: yeah
0: yeah <laughs> cool. well i mean interesting topic um and i think a complicated one both from a technology point of view from an implementation point of view and as we're seeing a policy point of view mm-hmm. so yeah good i mean does this seem like a good place to wrap it up anybody have any final
2: comments
1: no, I'm just sad. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it just made you more depressed? Yeah. <laughs> well, I do got one little thing uh, that I'd like to, to cover, and something that we mentioned at the beginning of the discussion, and you kind of quickly uh, touched on it uh, uh, just a few minutes ago, uh, a technology that has been around 180 or so years mm-hmm. uh, and still has not fully developed. I am curious if it is a technology that we should continue to pursue. It's had a long period of time for everything else to catch up, and it still seems to be moving slowly, uh, in particular when you see how quickly other technologies move. Mm-hmm. Uh, flight, look how quick it took between the discovery of flight and having you know uh, airplanes carrying people in the air. You know, mm-hmm. 40, 50 years uh, time span, and we, you know, we had jets already. So I'm, I'm curious, I'm not saying it is or it isn't, but I'm kind of curious if really uh, solar uh, photovoltaic production is really the correct uh, technology to be putting a lot of effort into, considering how long it has, uh, has been since its discovery. When you think of like the industrial revolution and the steam engine, right. uh, you know the steam engine very quickly, it evolved so fast.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, that technology quickly evolved. So I'm just kind of curious. Uh, you know, as a as a question yeah. to think about.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting question, for sure. Yeah. Um, I it's think the that thing happened. that's always going to keep it in the horizon is the fact that the sun always comes up the next day. Yeah. You know, that's not going anywhere. Steam, well, I mean, I guess steam's not going anywhere. We could run out of water, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's really what keeps it yeah. as in such a forefront, is that the sun's not going anywhere, you know.
2: Yeah, until the government makes a law that says you don't own the sunlight, then, yeah, then that'll be interesting.
0: Until somebody it reminds me of that episode of the simpsons where mr burns tries to cover the sun so that more people use the nuclear the, power nuclear yes Nuclear power yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah until that Not happens sure. <laughs> all right cool well, cool interesting so, yeah great topic and you know i hope everybody got something out of it
2: and as typical uh, we have more questions than answers
1: yes
0: <laughs> yeah all right well good let's go into the product of the week Alright, so our product of the week this week is another product that actually Claudia and I saw at National Maker Fair, and it's called the Pinbox 3000. Um, so this is basically a kit made out of cardboard for you to make your own pinball machine. What do you guys think about this?
2: Uh, well, I, yeah, I didn't see this mm-hmm. uh, until you, uh, you put the link up and I was looking at it. Um, it's weird I, I feel so many different ways about it honestly <laughs> I, I feel different ways about it, but mm-hmm. since you guys uh actually saw it and maybe you played with it a little bit, I'm kind of mm-hmm. curious before I say anything what you know what uh, what you guys think yeah. you wanna go well I was play?
1: playing with it and i it was frustrating me because I could not get the the ball to stay or you know the 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 pinball to stay in the in within the the box itself or but um it's also interesting with the name of it, Arcade. I think that's the the fun part of of this particular product is the fact that you can create your own world in this mm-hmm. Arcade. Um, so you can you know choose a theme, and you really like you could go wrong with it if you want, and then you could just add something else. You could you know like repaint it again. You you could redo it you could add more like you know you break something it's okay just grab a piece of tape and put it back in there mm. um so that's the fun part of it to me like the fact that it's not a serious arcade pinball right system. Yeah, I mean, so and that's that's a fun
0: part yeah it's definitely not a serious thing um it's definitely a way i saw it is sort of like a maker toy if you will um i think it's great that it's basically customizable um I, you can do what, we can make any pinball that you want, and a pinball, it's funny, because the thing I liked about it is that, you know, pinball started, sort of everything was a, a mechanical thing, right? You mm-hmm. pull, pull the thing, the, it was all mechanical, plug-in, it's gone into electronic mostly, there, it's gone into computer games only, um, I saw actually you now somebody that's making a VR one, right, you wear the VR goggles, and all you have is the little thing with the, with the side buttons, Uh And everything else is VR related. So you're sitting there looking at this thing wearing VR goggles and playing pinball just with a basically controller. Interesting. And you could have different designs for it. So this is sort of going retro back to even like more retro than the original pinball machine, which was a mechanical plug-in machine. And it was quite fun to play with them there. There are some designs that they would sell. I think the thing that slightly goes wrong for me with it, that it's, it's a little expensive. Yes, it's fifty dollars. I think the the price for the and I think it has to do with volume. You know, he has to order so many, and that's the price he can he gets. When he, if he could order more to sell more, then he would be able to drop that price some. But I think this would ideally be priced like at twenty nine ninety nine. Mm-hmm. You know, and then it would be great. But it was it was quite fun to play with because it was on basically a, like a cardboard pinball machine that you could do whatever theme you wanted it to. Your imagination was the only thing stopping you at that point.
2: Interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah and it, I think it also can be used. I mean, it's interesting in the, in the Kickstarter, it says that, you know, they have a, cu- a curriculum um, based process or program that, you know, opportunities that you can take it to school and teachers have uh, approved this and you could, you know, you could use it at, in, for your school projects and stuff as a teacher. And it's interesting because the maker movement is so much involving teachers um i don't necessarily think that that's something i would want to uh, you know like Mm -hmm. as as an art teacher you know that's something that we have Mm -hmm. friends that are art teachers and specifically for this age too you know like Mm -hmm. um you know like k to five k to k to ten um k to eight and um it's it's more of a house like uh, you know for a kid in my house that's fun you know like to do mm-hmm. or like you know like a Christmas party thing you know like to keep the kids you know busy during Christmas because everybody's just sitting around that's a fun thing to do. Right. But that's why the cost is important. Like mm-hmm. twenty nine, even twenty nine, it's like yeah, for the basic. Price, though, yeah, for yeah. the basic basic, you would be like you know nineteen ninety nine, like mm-hmm. the most basic thing, and then you can. Add on other characters and stuff like that, and then that, that way they can bring up the price.
0: Yeah, I see this is teaching like a traditional school
2: teaching tool yeah. for me. Kind of like those linoleum blocks. Remember doing that? Carving <laughs> <laughs> the linoleum blocks yes. and printing them.
0: Yeah, right, right, right. yeah. Um, I would say that, like the best I would say is when I was in high school, I took drafting classes from my freshman year of high school to my senior year of high school. I took drafting class, and in that class, we didn't just sit there and draw We also had projects that we, 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 we made a kite. And the, the whole point was when you as making the kite, you would have to draw the design first and then we would actually build the kite. We did the same thing with a model rockets, right? We each had to buy a model rocket rocket kit. We would draw it in perspective and plan and all that elevation, and then we would make the rocket and go fire them off. Same thing with the kites. Mm-hmm. I think that could fit that kind of class, like more of a maker designer type class. It, I mean, you can't have this in science class, and like, you know, like it's very very specific classroom. Yeah, and
1: it's yeah. already done for you, basically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay,
2: cool. so I will done? I will tell you what I um what I saw when I, <laughs> when I saw this because I went through the website and and I found the main website a little bit difficult to navigate, mm-hmm. um, because the layout is a, is a non traditional kind of website, so it takes you a little while to kind of get used to it. Um, but what immediately when I, and, and at first I didn't know what I was looking at. When mm-hmm. I first looked, I had no idea. When I realized what it was, it immediately reminded me of being a kid and probably not for the reason that you, that you mm-hmm. might think because it's a, a uh, you know, a pinball game. But when I was a kid, uh, back when there was an Eastern airlines, mm-hmm. uh, you, uh, If you were flying and you had a suit with you, you could go to the counter without any luggage and say, oh, uh, I need need a suit box. And behind the counter, they had a suit box, and it was a cardboard box, uh, you know, kind of the proportions of a suit, and they would hang your suit inside this box, and that would go into the luggage, and it would uh, uh, go on the airplane, and you'd collect it in in the baggage uh, area. Mm -hmm. So... Somehow, not that we used it, but I ended up with a box. Somebody that we knew got the box. Uh, You can forget those days. You're not gonna be able to get one of those anymore. (laughs) But uh, they, they were traveling and they came by. I guess they were staying with us and they had this box and they left the box behind. So I took this box and I cut it up into kind of an airplane. I cut a hole in it to create a cockpit. I had a few other boxes. I made wings and a tail and I turned this Eastern uh, uh, suit box into a mini airplane that I was sitting in, in the living room and I would take it outside. And at one point I actually wanted to put it on the roof and, and see if I could fly. (laughs) (laughs) So um, it was interesting. So immediately seeing this, it reminded me of being a kid and those, in that weird thing that I did with this crazy box. And for me, part of the fun was, you know, taking a standard regular box with no, uh, no other signs of any kind of alteration and transform it into my airplane. So when I see this, I, I see this pre-manufactured component that has kind of taken some of that fun, that creative fun, away. I think it, I think the idea is beautiful. And, and uh, going through the, uh, the bios and some of the things they had to say about it, I can see that they're very passionate about the idea. And uh, looking at the actual... Uh, some of the configurations they've come up with. I, I think that they are really uh, doing something interesting and I think they really have a strong feeling about it. But uh, apart from that, and I agree with you, I think that for a bunch of cardboard, uh, you know, 50 bucks or whatever it is, I think it's a bit much. Uh, I don't see it as a finished product. I, uh, I personally, I, I like the idea. I would have preferred to see this like a maybe a plan or you know, here's uh, here's a series of templates, and you can cut it out, and you could really do the whole thing yourself. They've invested quite a bit of effort. Uh, they probably have at least a year or two in developing the design. I mean, they call it the Pinbox 3000. It, they, I'm sure they had five or ten versions of this. <laughs> it took them a while to to get to this point. Uh, so I think from a design point of <clears throat> excuse me from a design point of view, I think it's beautiful. And I think it's very elegant the mechanical components that they created with just cardboard. Mm -hmm. Um, I I don't know if it's if it's worthy of being a product. Is my only thing about
0: it. See, I think here's where I I think times have changed to the point where kids nowadays need more of a. Push to be creative. I think when we were growing up, you know, I, I had the same thing. I like baseball, so I would make my, I would make myself a little baseball stadium that I would play with my toys in and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think kids nowadays, there so there's so many things electronically that they can already do and games that they're like. There's no reason nowadays to make you know this the little baseball thing that I was making myself because I could just go online and play a video game with baseball and all the players are there, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I think this toy, this kind of toy, I'm mean, gonna call it a toy, or this kind of invention, is sort of more t- to help spark some of the creativity in kids mm-hmm. that they don't, they don't, they no longer have available to them, or for, are forced to develop themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I I, I agree one hundred percent with what you're saying. I think back in back in our day, we had to do those things. I've, I've heard Adam Savage speak. About making, the first time he was making, he was making with cardboard. His dad went and bought him, like, four by eight sheets of cardboard for him to do whatever he wanted with. And he would start creating, like, he made a record player out of cardboard or whatever. You know, he would make a bunch of things. He made a whole armor suit out of cardboard. Oh, nice. But nowadays, that's just, I don't, kids aren't doing that. So you think
2: this is a reflection of the current condition of, of the creativity of children? And- yeah it's kind of like a chicken and egg thing. Mm-hmm. It's uh children are 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 less interested in working with their hands. Mm-hmm. So they are you know making that kind of stuff less. So you have mm-hmm. to kind of give them something easy to do and something pre-thought as an activity so they could get interested in making right. and then they can want to do their own things. And then, yeah. yeah. So uh, kind of like a, an inspiration toy. Right.
0: Yeah. yeah. And
1: I I'll take it one step harsh like harsher. Because, <laughs> um, well, you know, yeah, we can blame kids—not not blame, but none, you know, we could say that kids nowadays are, don't have that specific, um, yeah, desire or like, or not even desire, but they, that intuition to start doing that. Um, it's a lot of it is not necessarily on the kids' part, but it's also on the parents' side, right? That they're not necessarily looking at things, uh, at 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 creating these, you know, going out and buying. Four pieces of cardboard for their for their kids and mean like okay you go go to town in these four things and figure mm-hmm. out something mm-hmm. to do. Yeah. Instead they'll go online and they'll go to Tumblr or Pinterest and they will find Pinbox 3000 and then they'll say hey yes this is great because this is already and and this will encourage them to do that and this will be great and you know I I saw a blog post not long ago of um, you know inventive things that you can do with your kids. Um, out of of everyday things, Mm -hmm. right? And I was like, this is so cool. These are such cool things. And I think it was one of my friends on Facebook who was a parent shared it. And I was really happy with it. I was like, this is so cool. I'm so glad that they're doing that. And then I stopped myself and I was like, man, what happened to like parenthood at this point an age <laughs> that you know they're relying so much on a blog post someone to put this but on a blog post in order to do that with your kids
0: but it's part of evolution right like things become easier they become more comfortable for you like we're no longer going at there like if a caveman came up then, like why are you guys not hunting your own food why are you going to this store to go get it <laughs> you know yeah. it, it it's it's part of moving forward and that's what happens in society it, it, it's unfortunate i agree with you on that but it's where we're at. Yeah,
1: yes. it's yeah. I mean, yeah. our our parents were, you know, like my mom was never doing that, and she wasn't going out and getting four boxes of cardboard because she was busy working, you know. And it's right. one of those things. So you like, had to do it yourself. But now but you it's like not now choice. exactly. That's the thing. Not having a choice makes a mm. big difference, and I think mm. now both parents and kids have that choice.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, who said that? Uh, I I'm not sure if it's an if it was an Edison quote or who's. Uh, the actual cope necessity is the mother of invention mm-hmm. and when there is no need I guess you you are less inventive right. and you know listening to you talking about even your experience Claudia uh, when I was a, a kid anything was a toy and I listened to you talking kind of stimulated this memory uh, you remember the plastic bags uh, garbage bags mm-hmm. they used to come with sheets of twist ties mm-hmm. um, yeah. probably in the last 10 years or so uh, they were counted. So if that ba- if that box of garbage bags only has 10 bags in it, you guarantee you there's only going to be 10, 10 twist ties yeah. in that box. But when I was a kid, you bought a box of, uh, of garbage bags, and there was like 70. There's yes. there a bunch of them in there, right? They, they just threw a bunch in there. They're cheap. It doesn't matter. Throw a bunch in there. So there were so many that they collected in a, in a drawer in the kitchen. And I remember... Uh, taking them and because they were in sheets, I was able to uh, take them and fold them, kind of like you have, you know, think of it like a sheet of plywood. And I took them and fold them and bent them, and I created closets and uh, and furniture for my sister's Barbies. So I made tables and chairs and closets, and, you know, wardrobes and all kinds of things from uh, those twist ties. And they, you know, because of the way they came, it was kind of um, inspirational to use them as a material in that same fashion that you would use a flat sheet like a like plywood, of course, in, in miniature. So I think that those opportunities were, were available much easier as well. You know, cause there was cardboard boxes everywhere. Not that there isn't now, uh, uh, but when as a kid, when you saw a cardboard box, you saw potential. And you saw all these mm-hmm. uh, things and uh, the twist ties uh, being another one of those. And uh, I, I know you saw that video of the blowgun that I did. Yeah, uh, I was 12 years old when I did that exact same thing, and with the stuff I had lying around. Yeah, and you know, rolling up paper and all that business. So, uh, I think that there is uh, that there is an aspect, uh, like you say, uh, Jose, mm-hmm. the uh, an aspect of the time that we're living in. But kind of what we covered the last episode, you know, what makes a maker. I think part of it is in you. I think mm-hmm. a very good part of it is in you.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: But is it a, a nurture or nature thing? That's 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 another question.
0: Well I think it's a little of both. Mm-hmm. I think you can have a kid that's very much into it, but if you don't give him things like this to try and do it or start doing it, then you're not you're not nurturing that mm-hmm. nature part of them, right? Yeah, it's
1: innately in them. Mm-hmm. You just need to be able but to, you do have it. to
0: help it. Yep.
2: Yeah. It. Yeah. So it's a good Ooh. stepping stone kind of toy. Yeah. Toy. Yeah, I think so. I mean, and then that, the next one after this is sheets of cardboard. <laughs> and then oh, yeah, sheets of plywood
0: it, yeah, And I think that's part of it Now they've seen what they can do So now here's some cardboard sheets Go
2: do something else The yeah. potential transformative mm-hmm. abilities of cardboard Yeah.
1: <laughs> so you know. go down in price right? You spend 50 bucks And then eventually you spend like Yeah, the 50 bucks is a bit higher
2: or... yeah. <laughs> But you know, I will say that it's very clever And I, and I give them, you know uh, Their props on, on design Because uh, it's actually a very interesting uh, construct with the movable parts in it mm-hmm. and they've got a structure underneath the thing. Uh I, I think they they did a nice job there. My my only thing was, you know, should it be a product?
0: Yeah. 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 Cool. Well I mean that's uh, that's it for this. Let's move on to what are we working on? All right, guys, so, you know, just briefly, because we've been recording for quite a bit now, let's uh, very briefly talk about what we've all been working on, seeing who wants to go first.
1: I'll start really quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you guys go into www.madepodcast.com, you'll see what I'll be working on.
0: Yeah, you've been working on. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah I love how you've putting together. You don't need to, do to do say <laughs> Everybody, Everybody kind of knows that. <laughs> yeah.
1: At ages, myself, yes, yeah. Yeah, So just check out Um, our website at (laughs) matepodcast.com.
2: (laughs) Http colon backslash backslash yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And uh, and it is a work in progress too. Yes, yes, it is
1: definitely. But um, yeah, so it's
2: there, and yeah, so. Cool. Yeah. So you've been working on the website. Well, that that only took us a couple of months to get together. Yeah. (laughs) Not bad. Not bad. Yeah. Uh,
0: What about you, Ray? What are you? What have you working on this week?
2: Um, well, I'm working on something interesting. i got a video coming out tomorrow. Uh, it is a, another lathe that I'm building. It's yeah. only part one, which is an introduction to the idea of the project, and I'm building a vertical lathe. Nice. Yes. Uh, yes. We talked about yes. this a little bit
0: last week. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: so the video's been filmed as uh, part one, uh, showing parts that you've probably never seen before. So if you've mm. if you're got a little curiosity, and this is an unusual thing, This is uh, not something you see in woodworking, so uh, the video will be out tomorrow, and I'll send you the uh, link so you can put in the notes. Very cool, nice, nice, nice.
0: nice. Uh, Good. Yeah, I've uh, I've been working. I've been drawing up. You know, I I talked. I don't know if it was last week or the week before that. I remember now. uh, I talked about how I'm working on some model kits that I want to do. Oh yeah, yeah. For different, like basically, uh, different characters from different movies and TV shows, and most mostly androids. And uh, so I've been doing some drawings for one of them. I I think I believe Claudia, when she saw the drawings, what was, what was your reaction?
1: Oh, that's really cute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cute.
2: Uh, yeah,
0: so I've been working at some scale issues <laughs> as it comes to it. Are they um, like
2: conceptual drawings or like... No, no, they're, no these they're are hard-line CAD drawings. hardline drawings. Yeah, hardline like drawings.
1: With, okay. yeah, with, yeah, with dimensions and, yeah, and I'll, I'll all he needs l- is like notes on them and I'll put a bubbles link. and all such <laughs> sort of
0: stuff. I'll put a link to a photo. I took a photo of it and I'll, I'll post that up here. I'll, I'll hold it up to the screen so you can see it,
2: right? Oh, yeah. Let me, let me put but, that on bigger here. Yeah, so you can sort of see the drawings there. Oh, yeah. That's nice. Yeah. so yeah, so, yeah I've, been, I've been working on some
0: scale issues because I'm trying to figure out what the optimal scale for it is. Um, and I think I've settled at one to six scale. So
2: Now, is that something
0: you want to actually make? Yeah, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely make I'm gonna I I think I'm gonna use a three D printer that's coming to make it to sort of make a kit of it and then I'm gonna cast uh, molds of it using um, silicone, silicone. Mm-hmm. that then I can put resin in and you know be able to make a few of them and we'll see how many I make of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm working out those dimensions and the, the actual drawings for the next steps. I'm gonna start modeling it. So. Cool. Working on that, and uh, and you know a quick recommendation for something to watch. I've I've been meaning to watch it for a while, but I finally saw a movie called uh, Exit Through the Gift Shop, mm-hmm. and it's by my favorite art artist Bansky. It's I thought it was going to be about him. It turned out not being about him,
2: so it's quite interesting. Quite an interesting uh, watch. So. Yeah, so it. how was he involved was it if it's not about him was he like uh, so he
0: made the movie oh gotcha and, and I don't want to give the whole thing away but it's a movie about another artist that had started making a movie about street artists and huh. and the whole thing sort of takes uh, takes a turn for I, the worse yeah um,
2: that so. sounds interesting I'm gonna to have to yeah, say yeah it's on
0: Netflix if anybody wants to watch it, you have a Netflix account
2: exit through the gift shop yeah exit through the gift shop so it,
0: it, it was quite interesting yeah I don't want to give it away um so, yeah, that, that uh, I guess that's okay. the show for today. Let everybody know where they can hear more about us. Aside from now uh, the new website, yes, that's say, madepodcast.com. Com. They can also f- uh, and now there's links there to all of the stuff we're going to mention here, which is Ray's YouTube channel mm-hmm. and YouTube page, uh, Homemade Late. Oh, yeah, the Facebook page. Mm-hmm. The Facebook page, yeah. Yep, the YouTube uh, channel is for sure. And the YouTube channel, and there's links to your website.
1: Yeah, and the Twitter's. Uh-huh. Also, which, right. at uh, at city colleges,
0: and links to my website and my Twitter, which is at city aperture. So yeah, I think anybody, and you can always email the show, and we'll have information on the website now. So go to the website. Have you had any more messages or letters? Uh, not recently. I actually haven't checked it this week. So maybe. Any
2: complaints? I'm I'm still waiting for a complaint You're still waiting for a complaint? That's my department. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you're just not being you're just not being complaint worthy <laughs> enough
0: yet. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Maybe some parents will complain yeah. this time around. Oh, <laughs> oh I, you know what?
2: I think you will hear something this time. <laughs> <laughs> when you start mentioning Parenthood, people get very excited about yeah. it exactly yeah. mm.
0: <laughs> Cool. well, um and uh, I think in a few shows we may have someone else who has some places we're going to be at that people can come meet us as well, so we'll we'll, we'll figure out that later. so Cool, well, it's been good show guys. Yeah, yep. thank you. Yeah, I think, uh, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks. Yeah. Go make something. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: Enjoy the sun. <laughs>